Hello everyone, this is Tom Uren and I'm here with the Gruck. G'day Gruck, how are you? G'day Tom, I'm good, and yourself? As per usual, we have our Between Two Nerds discussion this week. This week's episode is brought to you by Resourcely. So Resourcely helps you deploy and manage cloud resources securely. So it can help you manage Terraform securely, for example. So Halloween is coming up. We thought we'd have a very loosely themed Halloween show. (laughs) And we're going to riff off of spooky effects. And so uh, effects, you know, things that you can do with the cybers to try and shape people the way they behave. Now, one story that I've always been really annoyed at is back around the time (laughs) of the Snowden leaks. There was a story that I think it was British journalists were sitting there with some data from Snowden and then they start to see a paragraph disappear backspace by backspace by backspace. And that story was, ah, here's evidence that GCHQ is hacking us and removing evidence as we're sitting there in front of the computer. And I, I, was, uh, I was just so dumb. Yet at the same time, it's the kind of effect that perhaps you would use against someone if you were trying to mess with them. Right. So I thought we could start off by talking about why I think that's dumb and wouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Yet at the same time, why that kind of thing is actually plausible and at the right, right time and place, you would use that effect. Right. Um, but not if you're a GCHQ against a British journalist who you could literally gag with a court order if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reason I thought it was stupid was that there's other stories where, and I presume it wasn't GCHQ because they don't go around getting court orders, but some other <laughs> British authority right. did get a court order. They turned up at, I think it was maybe The Guardian or somewhere. Right, they right. seized computers. And I, if, if I recall correctly, they, they, they destroyed smashed, them. They smashed them with <laughs> yeah. a hammer and then used a drill to drill out the chips specifically yeah. to make sure that there was nothing left. I mean, that was... Uh, yeah, and, and when you've got the power of there's a state... No, there's no indication on whether they deleted a paragraph of text before or after. <laughs> That's right. It's a, you, you don't need to go around backspacing to annoy people. Um, and and it's, it's those intelligence agencies. Their, their intent is not to go around... Uh, Spooking people? Well, <laughs> sp- uh, intimidating people. Intimidating. That's yeah. the word I was thinking of. Right. Like, that's not their jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so there's just a whole bunch of things that come up for me. One of them is that let's just assume that they're accusing GCHQ of this. They're as good a target as any. Maybe maybe they mean NSA was doing it. Doesn't really matter. But real time monitoring of targets is not really the way that you do things. Right? Like it's just that's not how this works. Right? Like you <laughs> you sort of you go in, and, and this was even shown with all the Snowden leaks where they had the click scripts which showed this is how you go into a box and you service it. Like, here's where all the data that's been collected over the past whatever time period is going to be located. Here's how you yep. tar it up, pull it out, delete it, and then reconfigure it for, like, the next 12 days or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that was the evidence that they had in front of them. So they saw that that's not how these things are done. To be fair, I think this was early on. So they probably okay, hadn't had the right. chance yeah. to figure it out. But yeah, right. go on. Uh, could, could you imagine if you've got like your 50,000 worldwide implants, whatever, 
and you're monitoring them all in real time, which means, you know, you have to have eight <laughs> hour shifts, I guess, because of, you know, health and safety. And then you need to have like coverage for people who get sick. And that's just, it makes no sense. It's, it, it, it's literally mind boggling. Now, so I did actually work in an intelligence operation that was 24 seven. So there are targets at times that exactly you want or require or, or deserve 24 hour monitoring. Like, for example, uh, journalists writing up a story. I mean, that's a that's that's a high priority. <laughs> well, you know, well, so cancel I'm vacations. Of... Everyone's coming in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking of just just to be clear, like intelligence more broadly, like mm-hmm. and and signals intelligence, something like a war zone. Um, mm-hmm. That then you would have people twenty four hour monitoring right. signals intelligence, right? And I guess oh. in the case of uh, I'll call it cyber intelligence. If you're sitting mm-hmm. on someone's computer, you would sit on that computer if they were doing something that was life and death at that right. moment, like or, and, or imminent. And, right, exactly. If if there's um, something time sensitive with huge repercussions, yes, then exactly. yeah, you would invest the resources to do real time monitoring because time is critical. Yep. For example, if you have access to someone's phone and you believe that they're going to be a suicide bomber in the next 24 hours, you're not going to have a 48-hour scrape on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Sort of, so there, there, are, right. there are situations. I just don't think that, yeah, the, the Snowden list right. was ever in that category. Right. And then the effect that gets done, right? I don't think that they would have people monitoring at that sort of real-time level. But then I, I think if they did have someone monitoring real-time, that person is probably not authorized to, like, hijack the keyboard and just <laughs> <laughs> mess around with the delete key. <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't think that that's how it works. I don't think that it's a version of back office where the guy sitting there and goes, oh, my God, my mouse moved. How did that out, right? <laughs> And, and the GCHQ guy is like, oh, shit, you know, like, or they spill their coffee and it accidentally screws up the GCHQ keyboard and like all this garbage shows up and, you know. The way those organizations operate is deliberately. And so, really, think, again, there's a, a, <laughs> a scenario in which that particular effect you would use. It would be documented and it would have been approved by a manager before you do it. You would not be exactly. sitting there going like... No, I don't exactly. like that paragraph. Backspace, backspace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to screw with these Yeah, these or like, journalists. oh my God, you used the same word twice in the same sentence. Let me just help you with that. <laughs> this is not how I would have phrased it. You know, so I think you, you hit on it right there. With the um, It's deliberate. And I think that's worth bringing up as well. And that the use of implants, right, it's not like, arbitrary or accidental for these sorts of organizations like they don't install implants just because they're there and they've got nothing better to do they have a purpose right so like they they have mission yeah so they've got purpose they're they're doing things deliberately and with intent and i think what's sort of interesting with that is that sometimes that intent can actually be to intimidate people by revealing themselves right so for example just sort of historically if the fbi is following you you're not going to know. The way that they follow people is like they will have 25 cars 
and I'll have 60 operatives and I'll have a helicopter that's several kilometers away that has like a zoom lens that can read the small print on the side of a box that you're holding, right? And you will not know that this is happening. There's a case with the KGB who trailed someone in Moscow and they had 200 people. You're not going to notice, right? It's beyond human capability. However, the FBI also, if they want to intimidate someone, they will let them know that they're being followed. So they'll get the biggest, toughest, ugliest, meanest looking guy and have him sort of stand outside your office very, very <laughs> obviously, but sort of trying to appear obviously not interested, but being yep. very bad at it, just so that you would notice. And then they would follow you in a car and use the same car repeatedly to follow you, just so that you know we are being followed. And that's an intimidation tactic. And I, I could see that happening. You, so you think there could be, uh, <laughs> to coin a phrase, cyber intimidation? <laughs> yes. You know what? And I, I've got an example as well. Uh, Revil, right? Yep. So you remember when the, the Revil servers were sort of taken down and then they, they came back briefly and there was that operation that was done where the onion domain was taken over because the private keys that are used for an onion domain had been copied. And so it was possible to put up a second duplicate server and sort of cause a denial of service. And so this was done, my guess is like, this was a deliberate thing that was done to mess with them. When Revil did their investigation, they discovered, and I think this was accidental, but they discovered that there was evidence of implants and access to their systems. Yep. At which point, I believe it was the leader made a note saying, all right, I'm done. Like, I, I don't like this. <laughs> and he left. So there you go. That's, that's intimidation, cyber intimidation. Right. Yeah. So my initial thought was that there's just limited things you can do. And so maybe intimidation is less effective. And, and I agree with you, I guess, in that that one seems like an accidental. Right. In that the, they, there was another purpose that would have probably even been better <laughs> if it had been carried yes. off. But the other examples I can think of are things where those agencies deliberately don't get caught. So uh -huh. things like changing passwords or doing other <laughs> computer silly buggers that make it really annoying for the target but don't necessarily tip them off that they're being messed right. with. Operation Glowing Symphony, which was the cybercom attack against ISIS. So this was in 2016 where they went all out and they did this really big op and they deleted all of the B-roll that ISIS had filmed. And they <laughs> they um, deauthorized their, their Photoshop and uh, Logic Pro and uh, you know After Effects licenses and... They changed the passwords on all their forums yep. and yeah, silly buggers. They were very, very pleased with the results of this operation. <laughs> and I, I don't think it was meant to intimidate because I think it's kind of hard to intimidate people by changing the, the password to their forum. <laughs> but it was certainly meant to disrupt them in some way. Like there's yeah. the... Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what I think is that the value in ongoing disruption mm -hmm. because you, you think it's just coincidence or bad luck or a right. dodgy motherboard or whatever um, right. is, is higher than the value that you get from intimidation where you encourage people to, I don't know, respond in some way. Like, right. I think Heart. it's probably rarely that they respond by just packing up and going home. Right. Yeah. No, I, th I think a more typical response would be like, okay, I need to improve my security. Yeah. 
Right. I need to improve my stealth and my security so that it is harder for them to do this. Yeah. And I guess in the case of Revil, it may be that the, the calculus for that person who packed up is that, well, I've I'm made stacks of money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the money. I'll, I'll just go home, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's interesting. Um, so one of the things that we've just sort of touched on is the value that you get from an effects operation. Like that's a calculation you need to make. Do I want to use this access for an effects operation? And if so, I might be losing the access, right? Because the effect could be noticed. So is it worth this effect? Like what am I trying to achieve? And is it going to be worth the cost long-term of losing access? That calculus, I think, is an interesting one. And I think, generally speaking, the weight does not come down on let's kind of annoy them. Like that's definitely <laughs> worth like that's definitely worth losing all future access and making them a harder target in future for kind of pissing them off. Right. But I think one idea on that that, that just sort of occurred to me as you were speaking was if you can do sort of enough little things that seem slightly weird, but are sort of explainable on their own, you can build up enough coincidences that someone will start getting paranoid. And paranoia is a very good effect to inflict on your adversaries. Right. Because paranoia is debilitating and it makes you not efficient at what you're doing and not effective. And it, it can sort of tear your group apart from the inside. So I could see if you have a campaign, because I, I don't think one... One, one, one backspacing one paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that might do it, you know, if you're going after journalists, a soft target. But, you know, when you're going after the hardened criminals or the, uh, the real terrorists, you might need to do more than backspace. Right, yes. So I was thinking in the context of organized crime or even ISIS, where you've got some network, right. sending messages, apportioning blame to someone else who is actually innocent. That would be a good way to sow mm -hmm. discord. And a lot better, I, I agree with you, a lot better than, than intimidation right. by itself. And I, I think, um, you know, along those lines, a doxing slash leaking type operation where basically if you go into an organization, there's probably going to be private communications between individuals about someone else in that organization that they might not like or whatever, that they don't want to be public. <laughs> yes. And if they, they somehow accidentally, you know, reply all and forward one of these, these internal emails that's not meant to be said to like everyone, that sort of thing can sow discord by just revealing private information to other people that shouldn't have it, that's authentic. Like you're not making it up. And if you can do it in a plausibly mistaken way, where it's not like someone gained access and is sharing this, so it's probably been faked, but it's hard to argue, I got hacked if you reply all to something, <laughs> right, with a, an email chain. Like that's just, that's an honest mistake that anyone could make. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a, that's a very plausible mistake. Right, right, you know, and... I mean, that, that would be the sort of thing where like modifying someone's email clients to every now and then just pick reply all on certain threads. I mean, that could be hilarious. Well, I think the, uh, the top tier cyber actor, they're going to modify that for just the particular emails that they, uh, mm -hmm. that they, they figure out that there's some keyword or. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I think is interesting actually is that all of the examples that we've sort of thought of or talked about have been things of Western agencies against other adversaries. 
right? Or Russia as well. Like Russia, when they do things, they don't tend to do these sort of subtle... Yep. They, they, they're not big on like the whole subtle, let's screw with one person individually and sort of <laughs> mess with their one little mind. It tends to be these really big operations. So maybe they don't even have a theory for this. Maybe they don't know how, how to do it. Yeah, I've not heard of any PRC operation that is similar. Now, in all these mm-hmm. cases that we've spoken about, it's a Western agency essentially doing something that's invisible and that we, we would never mm-hmm. know unless they... Well, the only reason we know is because they told us about it. Right. And in a way, that's because they're deliberately trying to educate people about, <clears throat> you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not equivalent right. to nuclear war. We're just changing passwords. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and they're also, they're trying to judge, like, there's a lot of reasons for them doing it. One of them is they're justifying their budget and their existence by saying, we are actually helping and doing things. But another one is also, you know, showing that what they're doing is not that scary. Yeah. Right? Like and it's not, yeah, as you yeah, said, it's and, not and, nuclear war. And and the things that at least the PRC really cares about, maybe the Hong Kong protest movement or mm-hmm. Uyghur Muslims, they have a tremendous amount of control because they're... It's domestic. To exactly. some degree. Like, so they do mm-hmm. do intelligence gathering to understand who mm-hmm. in the i guess it's the diaspora or outside of china right. are in those networks the one example i can think of is that there was a movie going to be held in australia featuring a Uyghur activist woman i think her name was reba kadir mm-hmm. but there was i guess a form of denial of service where all the tickets got bought <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't know, you know, is that state-backed, state-sponsored, uh, random people or, or is it, who... Yeah, won't someone rid me of this troublesome premiere movie? <laughs> yeah, and the other yeah. examples I can think of are much more big-scale brigading, like, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds or thousands of people uh, responding to, say, Daryl Morey, who tweeted in support of mm-hmm. Hong Kong Freedom. So he was right. the general manager of the Houston Rockets, which was right, right. the okay. most popular NBA team in China. So there's a, uh, my understanding is that they organize in forums in the Chinese internet and then mm-hmm. will all deliberately leap the firewall just to hurl abuse at someone. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's also the, um, the Wu Mao army, like the 50 yeah, cent yeah. army. And so. That's very different from the way we think of a Western agency, but it still, right. to me, seems like a projection of state power. Right. I was going to say, and I, I think that it's a, it's a bit hard to differentiate in that way, because if someone from the state says it would be nice if this happened and people listen for that and then do it, you know, is that state directed? Or I think it's... If they simply if they simply know the will of the state and enact it on their own, which is... That's the way that a lot of um, a lot of Chinese stuff is done. Is that like, for example, uh, in in Asia, a lot of the time the letter of the law is less important than the spirit of the law, right? So they they will you have to understand what the law is meant to do because that's what they're trying to outlaw. And if you you sort of like technically it's not illegal because they didn't break this one part, like that doesn't count because if you go against the spirit, then that's the breaking the law. Whereas if you don't but you do break the letter of the law then that's fine yeah it seems to me that for these mass movements the communist party has the ability to shut them off 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of letting them run, even if it's not necessarily directing them. And it's, like right. I said, I it's, still think it's a form of state power. It's just a very different one from the way we think about it. Right. That's actually that's actually a really interesting point because you're right. They do shut down these sort of mass movements that they don't like. So they they will delete comments on uh, Weibo yeah. or right, and when they don't, that's a sort of sign of. I wouldn't necessarily encourage them, but they're certainly, like, they're allowing that fire to have oxygen. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's as strong as tacit endorsement, but it's some it's way not, there. <laughs> it's not deliberately blocking it, I guess. That's so right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks a lot, Tom.